to another inspiring edition of The Brandy Joe Show, your weekly dose of wealth and wisdom for a prosperous financial life. And here's your host, Brandy Joe Newman. Okay, so let's start with um, let's start with how we know each other. Have you talked to Cassandra lately? Yeah. Okay, that goes good. Back to your your uh we talk like every week. Oh, great, great. I'm yeah. so happy to hear that. Um yeah. I keep up with her on YouTube. Um yeah. I think we've texted a couple of times in the last couple of months, but you know, she's here in Bernie. I know. And I yeah. haven't seen her. Where so. are you where where exactly do you live? I'm in I'm in town. I'm in Monta Vista. I'm like okay. 10 blocks my- north of downtown. Yeah, I'm coming next weekend, actually. Oh, really? My daughter, my daughter lives in Bandera. So nice. super close to Cassandra. So yeah, yeah, all the things. Yeah, she was excited that um, I can't remember her husband's name, but she was excited that they were joining Tapatio and he was getting to play golf and all that kind of stuff. Chris. Yeah, Chris. Yes. And what was so funny? So this was at the beginning of COVID. It was right at the beginning of COVID. It was the eclectic in Dallas, Claudia was playing and the eclectic is always on my birthday. And it used to piss me uh-huh. off, but now I'm like, whatever. Um, because Claudia would choose to play in the golf tournament instead of yeah, spending yeah. the birthday with me. Um, that's some brain code for you. So we were at her, her and Chris's club and I was practicing um, for three days while Claudia was playing in this golf tournament. And I walked into yeah. the grill and there sat Cassandra and Chris. And I was like, well, hello. So, Hi. Yes. Yeah. There's a little serendipitous there. That was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's how we know each other. You came yep. in and you did what, what specifically, yes. what, what did you call it for PEG personal economics group, which is no longer, which is so sad. Right. Um, so I came in and did uh, a brain code assessment on each one of you and then any potential candidate for PEG mm-hmm. um, because what you guys were doing and what you do um, requires a certain mental attributes, mental asset. Um, and if so, so the assessment gives me an idea of is this person mentally like gifted, so to speak, to do this particular job. It's not to say that if they're not, that they can't learn it because there are tons of exceptions to every field, Um, but it just helped give um, Joe like an indication of whether that person would have the mental aptitude, the mental gifts, the mental ability to do that job because it's complex. And then I have to be able to explain it to a variety of people. Um, And so that takes a unique person who can take something really complex, like wealth management, financial management, and then explain it to a very diverse, you know, general population. Yeah, it was, um, it was very enlightening. It was much more in depth than, you know, the other assessments that we've all taken. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you yeah. use it, you use it in your coaching, right? So you establish that as a baseline. Like this is how this person is made up. And do you use like modes of opera modes of operation? Yeah. So what I do, whether it's in the executive pro- coaching program or whether it's in the athletic um 
coaching program. So it's mental training, mental and life skills training. So the assessment lets me know part, uh, it lets me know exactly how that person is innately mentally wired. That's the hardest part to assess in an athlete. It's the hardest part to assess and really any individual because you can't see it. So this gives me some tangible to the intangible. So the assessment looks at four mental processes that we innately have. It creates what I call a brain code. In your field, like I would look and see what's mentally required for this field. Like what are your, what is your job requirement? What does it take to do your job and do it well? Well, there's no way we do everything about our particular jobs like 100% well. There's always going to be things that we like, we don't like, we're gifted at, we're not gifted at. Um, But as a whole, is it something that's a good fit? So at least, you know, back then with PEG, I kind of had a tier one, here are your top three brain codes that would do this very well. And then kind of tier two, ones that definitely can do it, but they probably will need some coaching on these types of areas. Um, but it's the same thing I do with an athlete. Okay. Do you, do you know, are they mentally wired coaching? to do what? Do you do any relationship coaching? Um, yes, okay. <laughs> because okay. that inevitably happens, whether you're an athlete or an executive. And so, yeah, like I've, I've put the executive or the athlete and the wife's brain code together and they see where there's some of those natural, um, where they're in sync and then where they're opposite and, and where where you're opposite. It's very normal for like couples to be opposite. And that's what they're attracted to is that opposite, but it can create a combative or conflictual situation, or it creates a wonderful collaboration. But yeah. Okay. I want to talk about this a little bit more because okay. I am married to the opposite of me. Okay. Okay. Um, and we, you know, full disclosure, we've gone through counseling. We've done the work, um, yeah. checking in, you know, I had my guy, she had her gal. We had our gal together doing all the mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, and now it's, I mean, it is bliss 90% of the time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Right. Which is, which is great. But what about being attracted to, and we might be giving, getting off track here, but what if you're attracted to like yourself, but not like yourself, but you're attracted to another person that you're, you're very similar, like similar. Yeah. Similar to for lack of a better word. Uh, very common too. Uh It's more common to be attracted to your opposite. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes what happens, I, I mean, I find this like second and third marriages, <laughs> you mm-hmm. tend to either people repeat their same kind of who they're attracted to and they just get into another difficult situation. But if they've done the work and done some growth and done some personal development, then they try to look for somebody where there's some where the key similarities tend to need to be to avoid major conflict. So two of the four, I would say two of the four um, brain processes or mental processes or preferences are typically where most conflict happens. And so if you can, if you find someone, it's 
where there's more alignment there, then you may have a tendency, at least initially, to have more of a, an emotional connection first. Mm -hmm. uh, just because there's that that like-mindedness, that similarity. Yeah, it's easier. It's easier, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting. So, okay, so you're we're, we're about the same age, right? 50s? Yeah. Hello, okay. 50s. Yeah. <laughs> Right there, right smack in the middle. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I turned 50 in March. Okay. In about actually uh, March 9th. So less than a month. And, you know, we're, we're Gen Xers, right? That's yep. what we are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when we were growing up, it was, well, my mother tried to put me in um, dance classes and twirling and that kind of thing. Cause that was her thing that, you know, that did not stick at all. I could not point my toe. Um <laughs> I did not like the leotards, yes. but now I do. It's kind of weird. So then I come home from school. I walked in the first and second grade. I walked or the second and third grade. I walked home. And in the second grade, I had a set of Chichi Rodriguez junior golf clubs, some wiffle balls and cookies waiting on me. And that was it. That was, I was now a golfer. And you so were then expected. it, it yeah. was right. So, but then, you know, but it was all the other sports too. So I played softball didn't play yep. soccer, uh, did not okay. play soccer at all. Softball track. Um, I ran, I jumped, I high yeah. jumped volleyball, obviously basketball. I was varsity athletics when I was a freshman in everything. Mm. Yep. And then had, a, had a little bit of a car wreck. Couldn't really pass the physical do all of the other uh, sports sports. And so I went to the non-sports sport, which was golf. And then that was it. Mm -hmm. So um, I had a really good short game because I was a really good free throw player. So I had great proprioception. Now that I am in my last five years of teaching full-time, what I've noticed is that kids are getting singular in their approach to yes. sports and athletics. And I yes. do not agree with it at all. Now, now, now let's talk about your athletic background. You <laughs> are a certified badass. I wish that, that I could put on some pads and go knock the actual shit out of somebody in good fun. <laughs> yes. So let's talk yes. about your professional football career for just a little bit. Oh my God. Into the, to the kids yes. and then we'll get into soft society. Well, yeah. I mean, I grew up a gymnast, so I was a competitive okay. gymnast for eight years. Um, but my parents, likewise, and I, I tried a bunch of different sports. The first sport at three years old was golf because my dad was a collegiate nice. golfer. Yeah. So golf was very much uh, in my life, especially when you go to the Golden Bear High School. It's like, mm. that's what you do, right? You you play golf. Um, and then, I, but no, I always- wait. you you went to high school in Columbus? I did. Yeah. Okay. I, I yeah. know exactly where Golden Bear School is. Yes. Upper Arlington <laughs> High School. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I grew up on the golf culture. I grew up on the Ohio State University sports. So, you know, I'm going to football games in the shoe at like five years old, six years old. And like, you cannot, you, you are transformed when you experience something like that at such a young age, because it's like a hundred thousand people, you know, freaking out about mm -hmm. a game. Yep. Hook and so <laughs> I always wanted to play the game. And especially because I grew up in that era of watching Archie Griffin. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. the only double Heisman Trophy winner. So it was very ingrained in my life sports. My my uncle was an NBA coach. He's a Hall of Famer. He's won 11 rings, one college championship, 10 NBA championships. And so wow. it was always in and around me, obviously, um, as I was growing up. So it was very so, natural for me to niche there. So so that is very interesting that you saw all of this as a young child. Um, yeah. Daniel Coyle talks about it in the talent code as looking through the windshield. Yeah. And that you and that you see that it's attainable, that it's not something that's weird. Right. Yes. Although in middle school, so this is what um, back then they called it junior high. So this Mm -hmm. is late 70s and and early 80s, middle school, high school. Like I really wanted to play football, but girls didn't, you know, even do that. Yeah. Um, occasional powder puff type thing is what they called it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can call it flag football. Um, they called it the powder puff thing. Yeah. Um, we so that. that, yeah, yeah, that's just not, it's not what we did. So when I was 40, <laughs> I found out through a random encounter with Jen Welter, who actually went on to become the first NFL female coach. Um, Jen played for the Dallas team here, the women's professional team. I had no idea it even existed. And so after I met her, she was like, well, come to the tryout. It's in two weeks. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I, you know, I'm thinking I'm 40 years old. They are going to laugh me silly, but what the heck? Like, let's just go try and see what happens. And so I made it through that tryout. You know, I knew I was physically fit enough probably to do it. But uh, so I made it through that day. And then you have like, they had a, like a week long training camp. And then they had what they called a hell day. And if you made it through hell day, you were on the team. Uh, So I did, I, you know, made it through all that. Played two seasons, and then in that third season, I encountered a severe concussion through a car accident. And uh, given what I do for a living, I was like, "Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't risk uh, doing that again." So that was kind of that. But I still am the mental skills director and therapist for uh, the women's team here, which we've won four championships now in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and Love we're it. in, yeah, we're in spring, uh, preseason right now and first game begins in April. So do you remember, uh, young lady, Marsha Graves? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. She and Mount, our teammates. Yeah. Mount enterprise, Texas. Yes. Yeah. Sweet, sweet gal. Absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. I did yes. a, um, <laughs> when I owned my paper in Mount enterprise, you know, it was just a little political rag. Yeah. And it was very, it was more liberty minded. So the de- all of the Democrats and the liberals would come to me and go, oh my God, I love all this. And all the Republicans and the conservatives would come to me and say, oh my God, I love all this. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's how screwed up the world is. Mm. But I did a feature on Marsha. I did a feature on Marsha Graves yeah. and um, Trinity. Um, God, I can't remember his last name now. Uh, what do you say his last name? It's Trinity Graham. Um but on Instagram, he's Trinity Broadway. And it was, and, and I did a feature on uh, me, 
you know, mm-hmm. and in a town of 425 people, we were, you know, probably right. the most, right. we were both the most successful and gay. I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of thumb my yeah. nose at that, but Marsha, yeah, her dad being the mayor and all that, that was, I mean, yeah. No, she's awesome. Uh, um, I saw her briefly last year at some of the games. Yeah. Great, great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I need to come to a game. That's what I need. You to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so with your athletic background, well, I do, I do want to mention one person, Susie Culver. She was the first female, she was mm-hmm. the first girl to play high school football, right? I think uh, that sounds right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> People don't know that about her. Anyway, um, it can be done. Yes. So, so right. let's, so, and, you know, then we can get into gender politics later. Um, so yeah. let's, now let's talk about, you know, what you're, what you're trying to help these kids really achieve. And, and, you know, we, we've talked before and, and the stuff on your, um, on your social media is, um, you know, targeted towards what I believe is just, you know, mental health and clarity and happiness right? and, you know, having faith in yourself. So let's talk about how you go through the process of your, your clients with with regard to athletics, junior sports, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So the first thing I do is take them through that assessment process, which is really simple. And especially if they're 18 or younger, but I've certainly had it where a lot of my college athletes include their parents in the process too, because generally parents are still part of that success team Mm -hmm. for the athlete. So it involves a a lengthy intake form that I have them fill out. And what, what I'm looking for there is I'm screening for any psychopathology or therapeutic issues that may impact innate wiring or need to be addressed because every athlete, you know, there's generally therapeutic issues, you know, one affects the other. And so um, as both a counselor and a sports psych therapist, you know, I can, I can deal with both. So it's a long intake form. First time we sit down, I sit down with parent athlete, Um, you know, I want to hear about any challenges or problems, obstacles that are happening. I want to, I want to dig in and find out what the goals are. Then I just ask a bunch of questions that don't have a right or wrong answer. I'm just, you know, I'm looking for where they're at with certain mental and life skills. Then they take the online assessment. And then when they come back the second time, we thoroughly go through the athletic report which I, I like to describe as like getting a roadmap to your strengths and weaknesses physically and mentally given your sport of choice. And then sometimes even position within a sport. For example, like football, the mental requirements of an O lineman are different than the mental requirements of a middle linebacker. It's just, it's different. Right. Um, so we can even go into specificity uh, with position, especially with team sports. Um, so I give them their athletic report. We go through that. I give them a stress management report based on their brain code and a career report based on their brain code. Uh, and then I, I give them a recommendation plan for improvement. And that's really the simple yet, you know, thorough initial process. 
and then ongoing mental or life skills training is, you know, ongoing, or if we got therapeutic issues, because part of that process is to kind of prepare, predict, or prevent when an athlete struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, so with brain code, I can tell which people are going to typically struggle with say anxiety, confidence, the ones that don't want to be a leader versus the ones that do, Mm -hmm. um, how they're motivated. Um, but then we also are doing a, you know, that we have an idea whether they're going to be prone to addiction, adultery, depression, what their communication struggles may be like, what relationship issues, you know, there may be. So we want to predict and prevent that, you know, before it becomes a problem. Wow. Yeah. So you can piece all that together, kind of a crystal yes. ball kind of approach. A little bit. Because it's based on behaviors, right? Well, yes and no. Okay. It, your mental wiring may present with certain behaviors, mm-hmm. but it's really, um, so for instance, I have had a number of parents come back years, like two or three years later, and they're like, so-and-so is really struggling with this, you know, addiction or whatever. And I'm like, did you, do you remember what I said in the athletic report? Like I said, they're going to be prone to that because most elite athletes in open field sports are motivated by pleasure, fun, and risk. So what we're looking at is that motive that's derived by your mental processing. Oh my God. That behavior. I need to put that on my business card. That's what I do. (laughs) Pleasure, fun, and risk. Well, yes, I I went and looked at your brain code because I still have it. I have Um, mine too. I I mean, I have the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about me? Let's talk about me. (laughs) Because it because it actually lends itself to both sides: the executive professional side. Yes, it does. You're very entrepreneurial. Yes, and we can talk about the relationship side. You know, Clay and I were separated for a little bit. We figured it out. Okay, Um, we did the work, and now. Um, the, re- and the reason that now I'm back in the financial game is because I didn't get my glory on the golf course. And so right now mm-hmm. I'm a non-amateur. I have a year probation period to where mm-hmm. I can get my amateur status back in November. And those senior bitches just better watch out because here I come. Yeah. See, like I should do your golf athletic report yes, and it- an ENTP because it's, you you have to approach the game different than the best brain code for a mm-hmm. golfer mm-hmm. is ISTJ. ISTJ, right? Yeah. So you you have one out of the three <laughs> for what that for what that job demands, what that sport demands. Now it's right. not to say you can't do it because there's a lot of ENTPs on the tour, um, but they have to approach it slightly differently. Okay, well, Claudia is yeah. going to set up an appointment with you next week because she needs one. She's been, <laughs> she, Claudia played uh, tennis her entire life. Um, yeah. Played at Churchill High School. They won, I think, six state championships in a row. She mm-hmm. won the state doubles championship with her partner. Mm-hmm. Then she mm-hmm. walked on to TCU. They won the Southwest Conference, you know. Yeah. All, yeah. all of that. And then she found golf at 26. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And we met when she was 30. Okay. And she was shooting like 110. And I was like, you know, you're <laughs> strong, you're fast, you're powerful. You're hitting it like some little old lady. And so I started mm-hmm. teaching her. And then, you know, now here we are. 
She's yeah. top 10 and top 10 senior women in the state qualified for all these USG events, but she has yet to just get to the level where that next, like that, that well, next and, and it's, yeah. the, it's the level of, I can win. She hasn't gotten there yet. And what's funny is that she qualified for the senior women's amateur last year in Anchorage, Alaska, of all places. Wow. And then yeah. we'll talk, and we'll talk about a little bit of my manifestation here in a little bit, but she qualifies and her goal was to get to match play. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been fired 16 times from caddying and teaching and coaching and all that. So I'm not going to say anything. And she mm-hmm. gets to match play mm-hmm. and she loses in the first round to Martha Leach. Martha Leach is a badass. She's a 60 year old that she can still kick everybody's ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she walks off the, she lost on 17. She missed a, like a 10 foot putt to push to 18 to try to get extra holes. She missed, she loses. She walks off, you know, hug, kiss, way to go, baby. Okay. Let's go eat. She's thoroughly disappointed. And we're yeah. sitting down to lunch. And I said, why are you disappointed? She says, because I lost. I said, well, I said, you actually won because your goal was to make it to match play. Right. Your goal you wasn't to the win the whole freaking thing and hold the trophy and get the medal and have the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, well, okay. Next year, that's it. Then. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, that's the limiting factor in how we set ourselves up for failure. We didn't set ourselves up for success in that, although we succeeded, because that's what our brain was programmed to achieve. Well, right. You make a good point there. Um, like that was where that was her, that was actually the limit. So that's mm-hmm. where she kept herself mm-hmm. is what I kind of hearing you saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think, you know, as athletes, it's very important to have both results oriented goals, but also process oriented goals so that you walk away, not defeated. Like you're setting yourself up for success when you hit the process goals. And then the benefit of that is usually it tends to lead to more of the results goals that you want, but you may or may not always hit those results goals because they're not always in your control right you don't control what the other opponents are doing which factor into that the and we're you know we can we can we don't have to turn this into a session for me but (laughs) um (laughs) my I have always been this person that wanted the glory like I don't I don't I don't really care about the money and the trophies I just want people to go yeah she's she's it Right. That and fits that, with your brain code. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so go, going back to us being Gen Xers and raised a certain way, because we yeah. really, we really were. Um, now we see these singular, singular sport athletes. Yes. And, but we also see this industry of games and sports leagues that are based on your kid gets a trophy. So pay us $200 for the season. So let's talk about the mm-hmm. soft society and that everybody gets a trophy bullshit. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to say, and, and you can, you can tell me from your, your memory, but <clears throat> uh, I think beginning, uh, 
in the 70s and 80s, this whole self-esteem movement began, you know, it really was an explosion of pop psychology and psychology uh, as, as a, you know, an up and coming field mm-hmm. and its impact in the education system. Obviously, what we know now today in the mental health system and counseling and, and psychology and you go see a psychologist to see if your kid has ADD or ADHD. Well, none of that. Like we, nobody was thinking about that mm-hmm. when we were in elementary school. So I think the self-esteem movement, it kind of started during our youth. And I think it's part of what has led to this very entitled, mentally soft generations that I'm seeing now, especially in the 25 years that I've been in this field and working with, with athletes and youth and their families and executives. It's just mind numbing to me how mentally soft most people are. Uh, so can, can we yeah. define, can we define what mentally, okay, so let's just say the opposite. What's the definition of being mentally hard tough, or tough mentally tough mm-hmm. mentally tough is the ability to manage your thoughts regulate your emotions and behave appropriately no matter what your circumstances well that's just brilliant that sounds easy <laughs> right it is, but i'll i'll tell you this it is easy for me now that i've done all of this work yeah well and, and here, i have this i have this little saying with some of the people that come to me and they're like, you know, I want to do what you do, or, you know, how do you have the life that you have, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, it's in, in the, they, they will always say something about being fucked up. And I'm like, it's yeah. not your fault that you're fucked up. It's your fault. If you stay fucked up. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and I think what people, and we see this, so like we're regulating being offended well, mm-hmm. fuck that. Like yeah. you're only offended if, if you let yourself be offended, somebody can call you a liar or whatever. And if you react to that, then on some level you're believing what they're saying. And I think that's a little bit what started to happen with the self-esteem fad and it spilled over into children's television. It spilled over into youth sports where we could no longer have winners and losers and MVPs and most improved. Now everybody, everybody gets a participation trophy because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And in this little league thing, like they don't keep score in little league baseball in some of these That's leagues. stupid. I, I went to a game in like Carthage, Texas. I went with some of my East Texas cousins and, you know, we're all cheering and I'm like, you know, who's winning? Oh, we don't keep score. And I was like, are you fucking serious? What? what? Right. <laughs> so I was I like, I was like, oh, okay, okay. This, this is just, this is fucked up. So right, it is because it's a movement that erroneously hangs on the principle that to build a child's self-esteem or develop a child's self, self-esteem it's it's like through rhetoric and the removal of di- like direct competition, which actually that's what leads to resilience, confidence, mental yeah. toughness. So basically mm-hmm. we stripped our kids through this stupid notion that we got to protect them. And then they they grow up and go into society and they can't function. 
So there's been many like uh, Pierce Morgan. I hear you know because I'll I'll scroll through the Instagram yeah. reels and yeah. he'll, his his will pop up about you know how kids today are not going to be able to um, handle it in the real world. And yeah. my comeback to that is they're going to make it their real world. Well, that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly, yeah. They will make it so they can survive in that soft society. So where where do you think, and I know that you were talking about the 70s and the 80s, Yeah. but where do you think parents, because it's I'll blame parents or I'll blame the village or whatever, however, however we can categorize it. Yeah. I somehow think that we stop teaching kids the skills to deal absolutely we did and what's and, happening is we're facing epidemic proportions of anxiety and depression yeah suicidal ideation suicidal success they crumble at disagreement they crumble at, at conflict they fall apart if the external affirmation and support isn't there. And obviously with the addition of social media into our culture, it just makes it, you know, a hundred times worse. Is social media bad? No, it's a tool. Okay. Right. Just like any tool. Like right. if I'm a welder, I could destroy you in, in a matter of seconds or I use it to make something beautiful. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's a tool. Does it have the potential to do really bad stuff? Yeah. And it has, and it does, but all the opposite is also true. Mm-hmm. The, the comparative, the, the comparing yourself to people on social media, to me, this is how I use it as a tool. I use it as motivation. Yes. I use it as I can. I can do that and I can do it better. Well, and see your brain code lends itself to that where others do not. Yeah. Others look at that and they crumble. Mm. And then we have a culture that's now telling them that it's okay to crumble versus what you just said. No, take it and use it and like go, go after that. Yeah. Do you think that there is going to be Okay, so I so I've studied political history and how the pendulum swings. Yeah. And and that for us to actually swing back to some sort of actual centrist, centric society with government being lesser and the individual being more powerful, I think it actually has to swing way to the left and have the majority of the people go, whoa, 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 I, we don't want this. This is stupid. This is crazy. This is nuts. And then have it come back and, and swing to more of a balance. Do you think that's where we are? Do you think that no, we I think it, reach that point? No, I think it can get worse. It can get worse. I, yeah. I think we can go because, you know, the way that we speak, you know, everybody says, oh, it's always left and right. Well, the connotation is direction because that's what we know as humans. That's how we communicate. Um, you know, they want to call it forward. I want to call it off of a cliff. There is no forward. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I, you know, my direction is left and right. And the, 
I was having a conversation with a lady the other day. She's a walk. She's an official hashtag walk away Democrat, huge Brandon Straka supporter. Mm. And um, she was talking about what are we going to do? And I, and I, you know, very casually said, because I have a concern. I built a pack last year. I have a conservative pack. I am a conservative fundraiser for issues and candidates that carry the conservative flag. Notice yeah. I didn't say Republican. Right, right, right. And I said to her, I said, maybe we just get out of the way and let it happen. Let it go off of a cliff. And then I have conversations with my conspiracy theory people that said, <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. we're all, we're, we're, you know, we're in the matrix. There's no fixing it. We're all programmed to actually do this. Yeah, so I hear like, that too. <laughs> yeah. 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 I wear, I wear my tinfoil cap on occasion. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah. But it's it's when when Laura and I started the pack, it was um it was to basically do some events before the November election. And now mm. we're trying to get targeted so we don't waste any money because in San Antonio and Bear County alone, no Republican was elected state uh, statewide no republican was elected countywide precinct three county commissioner grant moody ran as a republican the only conservative judge that was re-elected she had a very wow. slim um northwest conservative base but she held her district um and that, so all, I think that's true of all the major cities in texas they're very yeah. blue like dallas i think has already gone off the cliff like yes i agree you know and so what i don't want to have with because a pack's job is to raise money and then spend money with a specific not a specific purpose but but in some sort of a way that will get you to your general purpose mm -hmm. so i don't want i don't want my money to go down the toilet the way that it went down the toilet in 2022 yeah, um, because I think most people in the conversation that we were just having, most people think, oh, my God, it, it can't get any worse. Surely to God, we're going to come back, you know, to something a little bit more in the moderate conservative way. And it's like, no, I think it can get significantly worse because of what we're talking about with the way that we're raising our children. Well, I think you make a phenomenal and excellent point that I think, you know, those of us Gen Xers maybe the maybe the generation after us but um is that yeah as these kids are getting older they're going to create the culture that they want so they can stay soft mm -hmm. so they can stay being ruled by their feelings so they can legislate like morality like that in terms of whether that's offensive or not and this legislate a, thought right because that's 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 why we have all this like tearing down of statues and you mm. can't say certain words anymore. And it's like, oh my God, I, do, yeah. I don't, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. And we're, we're getting further, further away from reality. Yes. And further and further away from like science. We're like, well, never mind science. This is how I feel. <laughs> well, uh, um, Okay, I'm glad you feel like a dolphin. Let me um yeah, let me see here. Let me should I get you a bucket? Like I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. 
and the the kids that are wearing the the tails out of the back of their jeans because they oh, yeah. identify as a cat right i'm a furry uh, yeah that's what it's oh, called okay. so so is that is that a mental is that a mental thing i mean obviously it is but is well, it i mean what what is there's, that there's a, yes yeah what is that it's um well okay so back in my day the punk culture yeah. very strong yeah i certainly took that Gothic. on well that i i didn't fall too far into that but i was yeah. definitely like your billy idol punk you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i was working in the music industry so you just you take on that culture you take on that you know mm, the those those well they're they're outward expressions of i think trends they're outward expressions of these trends that become a set of beliefs or values um and i I think the trans culture, the reality is about 0.04% of the population is transgender. Mm -hmm. So this unbelievable 2000% explosion of that really is a trend. And so you look at what are the motives for that. Um, And that can go back to just the simple thing of connection and love. But what's happening is, and I definitely have seen this over the last couple of decades, is that young people are experimenting sexually way more than like we did back in the day. <laughs> and it, it presents a lot of confusion. And then yes. you have, yes, social media feeding them all kinds, talk about the evil of social media, mm-hmm. presenting them with these so-called realities. Um. And so, yes, it, it, which came first? Did they already have a mental illness and this is how it is manifesting itself? Or, you know, it is it is because of the culture and what they're seeing and what they're looking at creating a mental illness. Right. Well, and it's um, what it's what their brain absorbs. So there was an article that was written on Medium by a transgendered gal becoming a guy and then realized later on in her early 20s that she really wasn't trans yeah she she really she really was a girl yeah right and you know and it's a long article um but it goes through her entire story and Mm. she goes back to being isolated as an early teen so like 12 13 14 isolating herself and then the only thing that she was consuming was a trans Tumblr feed on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And it was just perpetual. It's like a the movie Clockwork Orange. Yeah. How they just fed you stuff. And I think the Manchurian candidate, you know, all yeah. of that is like right. It's it's right there in front of you. You can make your brain think a certain way that is Whatever so yeah. back ass words. Yes. And then yes. the and then the manifestation is that is that your thoughts become things. Yeah. And then that is your reality. But it's not my reality. So why why am I supposed to kowtow to you? And I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you one thing else. The the woke culture 
is now so deep into our military yeah. that when Trump, um, I can't think of the word, <laughs> COVID brain, when Trump yeah. basically said, okay, no more trans in the military, you yeah. had all of these trans people getting into the military to have operations. That's the only reason they were there. Wow. And I'm in military city, so I hear about right. it all the time. Yeah. 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 We've got a guy, gal, girl, whatever in the office that, you know, they can't go into training or or be combat ready because they're about to have their surgery. Oh and, the, and we, not the military, we are paying for that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I I it is very disturbing what is happening. And this is where I've been calling out my own profession. So as, as therapists, I think there are a large percentage of therapists that are aiding and abetting mental illness, um, by helping these kids into the gender affirming care, which is nothing but mutilation and abuse. Yes. And I'm going to send you that article because that's what that talks about. When she went to seek help, all they did was reaffirm it. Right. And instead of going, okay, we have some gender dysphoria here that we are going to look at instead of help, we are going to love you through it and help you get through it. I mean, my God, when I was, I don't know, this middle school, right? I'm muscular. I have short hair. I hadn't gone through puberty. I want to play football. What if my parents had said that to me at that age? Yeah. Which of well, course honey, they did Would you like to be a boy? Is that what you really right. want? Oh my God. Right. And, and I think there are those of us, it, 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 yes, there are men that seem more effeminate, but they're still a man. Mm-hmm. They're women and we, we, yes, we like to hit people (laughs) and shoot guns. Right. I loved well. Yes. I, I you know, we are each individual with individual passions and energies and things like that, but it doesn't change our gender or change our biological sex. Right. And, and, you know, I go on these long walks and about once a week, I go on a long walk with Laura and we talk, you know, obviously we talk about this stuff because we're so involved in the political scene Yeah, that um, we were talking about, we were talking about Planned Parenthood. We were talking about, um, oh, tops, um, Texas yeah. ground game, you know, all these leftist Marxist um, organizations. And I, you know, I started talking about how they're perpetuating all of this just mental Yes. This confusion that it's right. okay. And I, and I, and I, st- I stopped in the middle of the river walk and I said, it's okay to be a freak and fly your freak flag. But <clears throat> when it's, when it's detrimental to a young child that has not been able to figure it out for themselves yet. Right. My parents got divorced. This is a side story. My parents mm-hmm. got divorced because my mother would not allow them to baptize me in the Methodist church because she said she's going to grow up and she's going to choose her way. My mother Mm -hmm. has always been like that. She's a big Mm -hmm. to each their own, no Mm -hmm. judgment, but she's Mm going to grow up and she's going to choose her own way. They (laughs) thankfully they got remarried. And then I was baptized in the Baptist church at 17. 
Mm-hmm. Now, why was I baptized in the Baptist church at 17? Because I went to Sunday school at a Baptist church from kindergarten. And yeah. all of my and you know, and all of my other friends had already been baptized. And yeah. you know, Brother Riley says, you know, anybody that wants to be saved, come on down. And when I turned seven, I, it was it was I got baptized. <laughs> I got baptized on St. Patrick's Day. Um, it was just uh-huh. after it was the Sunday after my 17th birthday. Yeah. And went on down and got baptized and reborn and here we go. Yeah. But who's to say that I'm not in some weird cult like Tumblr Facebook group that talks about being a furry trans national gender whatever. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it's the same thing but it's not it's not good. Well, we, we, as a society, we've stopped using natural law and common sense when, when raising, disciplining, coaching, parenting, um, and adults really need to consider the damage of what they're doing. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we tried to have kids and it didn't take, Mm -hmm. and we weren't going to play God and do the IVF thing, which, you know, Mm -hmm. we have no judgment on anybody else doing that, but we were like, okay, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we're okay with it. Mm-hmm. I think I would probably, if I had a kid nowadays, oh my God, I'd probably oh. either kill it or not let it out of the house. Well, I know. Not let it have a phone. I oh mean, my my, yeah, my kids are 24 and about to be 22. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that they're not, you know, middle school, high school right now. I'm glad they're, they're beyond that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It, it wow. really just in the last, like, think about that. They're still really young. They are. And the last yeah, they haven't, 10 they years, haven't figured it things out. have greatly changed just in the last 10 years. Right. And so that's why I say that it can get a lot worse. Like we're yeah. in, like we're right in the curve where it starts to, where the exponential curve starts to go up, in my opinion, to where it mm-hmm. really gets bad. And then we'll limbing off a cliff later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It may not be in our generation, but I think it probably would be in your kids' generation. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I get nervous so, about now. Yeah. So now, so let's let's talk about um because you're you're a, a woman of faith, God fearing. Yes. yes. Um I like to say that I'm Christ like. I got away from the Christian thing. Okay. Um yeah. my pastor Doug Robbins down at City Church. Mm-hmm. Um, not this year, but, but, um, we go and have a beer on occasion and talk about life and that kind of a thing. And Mm -hmm. it's more, my church is more of a come as you are, bring your freak flag, all the things we're going to love you no matter what. Yeah. Um, but we have conversations about faith versus religion versus religiousness and how those three things really can't work together. I, always now come from just love I mean it I yeah I come right from my heart right at somebody and it makes some people uncomfortable yeah and but it also puts some people at ease to say you know Brandy Joe's not going to judge me she's not going to criticize right. me and I'm safe I want people to feel safe yes um but I think some religions and being religiousness, having that effect on people scares people and they don't feel safe. So what have you, what have you kind of set with your kids 
your your actual children and then kind of do, do you lean on your faith and god when you're working with your with your junior athletes oh gosh yes and and i think similar to you i mean i have all races faiths nationalities you know coming into my office mm-hmm. um which i'm very thankful for that mm-hmm. um and i you know i guess the foundational layer uh of faith is that i teach truth and love well so i uh, yes whether it's a tool i've developed or the mental training life skills training i'm not i may not openly say okay this is a tool I developed from studying the book of Philippians, <laughs> right. but, but, you know, but I'm teaching the tool. Um, now, if it is important to that person, then we're really going to go more focused on, on that. Um, and, and we'll talk about sort of the biblical anthropology of man and how that is superior to the psychological theory of man, because they really start from two different premises. Um, religious you know, I, I mean, I'm religious about sports, right? I love sports. It's, it's something like, you know, eat, breathe, talk, watch, you know? So, so sometimes when I'm differentiating between the two, I'm like, Hey, yeah, I'm religious about sports or football or, but my faith is very personal. It's a, it's a personal relationship. And, and I think we do need to lead with love because I think a lot of people don't, feel safe to be themselves. Right. I had a conversation with my friend Joyce Yanuzi that sometimes I don't feel comfortable going to some of these conservative events. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean I'm I'm completely happy. Um I know who loves me. I know that yeah. I'm in I know that I'm in God's hands. But sometimes when you <laughs> when you encounter like the old crusty crowd. Yes. It's like, what? And that I don't, and here's, here's a word, the way that I present myself, I'm not your typical, you know, lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, wait, you're gay. It's like, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm married yeah. to, and what I say is, yes, I've been married to a woman for almost 22 years now. That's usually what I say. Yeah. Um, well- because and I, I don't like the categorization and I don't like the label. Because I, I think people get confused that that goes together. But like yes. I lock arms with the owner of the football team and she owns the league. And I mean, she's gay and she is an on fire believer for Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, and I there have been times with my like more conservative, I guess you get that conservative crusty crowd. They're like, how do you do that? I'm like, look, it is not an issue of dogma. So I'm not going to make it an issue of dogma. And if, if, if my beloved friend Odessa wants to lock arms with me and we're going to go minister to these women because they need Jesus, they need Jesus, they need love, then we're going to go do that. Right. And, 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 you know, the therapeutic issues. Yes. I mean, that's what I am there for to help them navigate that to give them mental performance tools, but also to help them navigate life skills, mental skills, the messiness that's in their life so that they live a productive life. Um, and I definitely feel called to do that with mm-hmm. anyone who steps foot 
in my door. This is, this is my ministry. This is my calling. Right. And so, yes, that foundational layer is definitely there and it's firm. And even when I have, gosh, when I have graduate students call and ask me, you know, what's your diversity policy or what psychological theory do you use? And I'm like, look, here's my diversity poly policy. Treat everyone with respect and love. That's it. You don't need anything else. Yeah. Um, Why does everybody have to be listed? Because we're all, we're all human. Exactly. This this whole racist thing. It's like, oh, that's racist. It's like, "Mm, we're humans. Right. We're all humans. We're not a different race. And that, you know, that, that whole intellectual bent is like, I can't even begin to even start to explain it to people because I'm like, yeah, there's, there's one race people. There's right. ma- there's different colors, there's different cultures, there's different languages, yeah. there's different communication levels, there's all that kind of stuff, which I totally get, but that whole race thing is just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sick of it. I am too. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally sick of it. So let's, so, so now that, you know, obviously the, the 12 people who uh, are listening to this right now, um, <laughs> It's getting better. Last week it was six. So we've had a hundred percent growth. The, (laughs) the, um, the un, well, maybe that's the wrong word. The strength that obviously you have and the strength that I, um, display in Mm -hmm. standing on my beliefs. Yeah. So I got a phone call yesterday. Um, and I'm not going to share the details of it, but I am going to like, but I am going to talk about this group of people. It's a conservative. It's a group of directors and producers in Hollywood that are conservative that don't want people to know they're conservative. And the mm. gentleman that I'm talking with on the phone, I said, that's the problem. And mm. he goes, before you get on your diatribe, before you get on your train, he's like, yeah. let, me, let me tell you what the deal is. So. Okay. I am not afraid to be exactly who I am. Yeah. And and defend who I am and what I've built as a human being, as a wife, as a daughter, as a friend. I'm not a mother, as a business owner, as a Texan mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. I have a t-shirt that says I'm American until Texas secedes. Um, <laughs> yes. Right. So, you know, because everybody knows that I support the Texas movement. I don't know how it's going to go down, but I hope at least we have a shot to, I hope at least we have a shot at it. Do you run into kids? Because I, I ran into it. Um, I ran into them. Do you run into kids that they're completely afraid to be themselves? And then how, um, do, you, how yeah. do you, how do you help them? <sighs> yes, I do. Uh, daily. Um, how do you help them? Well, um, it, because they want to be themselves. They do, but here, here is some of the problem. So even the assessment process helps a little bit, mm-hmm. just so they have awareness of even just that that self awareness of how they're innately mentally wired, and why, like you, for instance don't like 
there's no fear with that. And that definitely is consistent with the way you're wired. And there's, you know, most of the other brain codes, there's probably about three or four that are like you where they don't, they have that kind of no fear type of thing and, and are able to be authentic and show up authentically how they are. That's the word. Not focusing on, you know, what other people think, but knowing they very driven and you can say whether it's very driven to be competent, very driven to be adequate by their own standard. So when, when somebody's really struggling to show up authentically who they are, they got to figure out, well, who is that? So yes, there are some mental tools or exercises and things that I take them through to get that clarity the clarity of the best of who they are, the clarity of how they want to show up with other people. And that needs to be consistent, whether it's their friend group, their teammates, their parents, um, you know, when they're out and about in the community, that there is a consistency in how they show up. And then also, I think one of the biggest things people don't understand is what makes them successful. What are the attributes or qualities or the people that are in their lives that help them be successful or their success markers and really gaining clarity in those three areas along with what we've been talking about here is your spirituality or your faith because that's where purpose is derived from and we've become self self-centric as a culture and so what I help them do is like this ain't about you <laughs> this is like we, I want you to understand yourself, but, but it's to show up with purposes in the roles you carry out. That's bigger than you It is not about you. Oh. Okay. So that's let's, 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 let's dive a little deeper on that last segment. Yeah, that sure. It's not about you. It's not, I mean, it, but you have to help someone understand that from you know, I, you and I have a faith perspective about that. Um, and so it does open the door to explore somebody's spirituality and what it is they believe about why they're here. And so there are different ways I have them like understand their, their spirituality and explore that. I'm never beating them over the head with scripture but it, I have gotten to that point where I've presented the gospel message to them. Um, but I'm always encouraging people like, go do your research, go ask your questions, because here, here's the thing, like your life is temporary. So it, it's, um, you're here for reasons. You're here for a reason. You get to fulfill that in the different roles you have. You have a role as a student, role as an athlete, role as a daughter, son, sister, brother whatever those roles are and like the quickest way to unhappiness, there's really two ways. The quickest way to unhappiness is to make your life all about yourself and to try to go to war with your biology, like those two things. And I guarantee you're going to be unhappy. War with your biology. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the psychotic break that we are seeing. Um. I have personal experience with that with a couple of friends, kids. And, yeah, and I, you know, and, and I, you know, and then, yeah. and then the, and then, you know, the worst happens, you know, they take right. their own life. Yeah. Because they, they can't deal. 
Well, right. And I think a lot of times parents, it's interesting. They're big on education. They're big on sports. Like we're, we're going to teach, I'm going to, you know, push all the learning and the growth and all that kind of stuff. And, and then they're not doing that with their spirituality. Right. Like that's somehow, oh, well, we'll let them decide that. Well, why? Yeah. Why don't you teach them? Well, well, then it turns out the parents don't really know. Right. What their spirituality is. Yeah. It's like, and then, and it's, it's like that, this it's, thing we ignore. Yeah. It's that perpetuation of, you know, poverty, perpetuation of ignorance, perpetuation of all the things. And, and, you know, thank God my mother was, she knew, she knew exactly where she stood in her faith. And she's still, she, you know, she's 72 years old now and she's still kicking ass. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and she was, she Good was my, she's still, you know, she's still, she's on my hero list. Now I have more. Um, yeah. But, you know, you just don't, you don't fuck around with who you are. And if you think you are a certain way, at least take the time to go and explore that. You know, I was, I'm the luckiest person on the planet that I had the means to say, <laughs> college really isn't for me. I'm going to go tour around the world for a couple of years. And what I tell people, you know, being on the tour full-time for eight years mm. is that I went around the world twice. I got mm-hmm. a PhD in culture and people. Yes. And what, what's been, what's, what's, you know, and in, in this next chapter of, okay, now I'm about to be 50, like I better be an adult here, <laughs> but <laughs> time to grow up. it's well, and it's that it's that, okay, now it's time to grow up, but Am I doing it right? Because now I have these, because I truly believe in manifestation. I believe in the woo-woo. I believe in source. I believe in universe. I believe in Jesus. I think that all of those are a culmination of the spirituality that is my fuel mm-hmm. for my life. Mm-hmm. And the the decision to be alcohol-free in 2023. And what was so funny when we went, we went to a cocktail party the other night. Um, with this new firm that I'm associated with and a couple have Claudia uh, uh, cordoned off for me and I'm over in another group and the husband asked her, she's like, well, so it's just for the year. No. Claudia's like, like, yeah. It's like, you know, this is like, I want to say this is the third time that I've done this, that I haven't drank for a year. Okay. Yeah. And um, I know the first year that I did, I did it when I was 35. And he's like, well, so she's going to drink next year. And Claudia's like, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure she, it's a, Claudia's like, it's a discipline thing for her. It's her track. It's her tracking her discipline, making herself more calloused to, you know, what it is that she wants to do. And, you know, being as, as such that, you know, I used to drink every day, not get drunk, but it was, you know, part of my lifestyle. It doesn't need to be part of my lifestyle. So he's, he says, well, you know, if you quit smoking, you're not going to start smoking again. And Clay's like, she's not an alcoholic. Yeah. It's not like that was killing her, but it's something that she is removing. This is Claudia's words. She's removing it from her life to see if her life can get better. Well, and, and exactly. I will say that it has because well, yeah. In, yeah. In the other day I was, I was presented with an opportunity and I was like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, I would have hemmed, not hemmed and hawed, but I would have figured out how to make that perfect. And the other thing that I mm. realized in kind of this cleansing effect, you know, we're 
what we're 30, 41 days into my alcohol free in 2023 is that there's this clarity to not be perfect because before Mm -hmm. I would have figured out how to set it up and how to run it perfectly. And then I probably wouldn't have followed, followed through with it because again, what am I? ENTP? ENTP. Yes. I don't follow through. No, that's the hard. That's one of the hardest one. And that's actually what, that's one of your mental processes, which makes golf difficult. Yeah. Is that, is that one? Yeah. Yeah. But I've, that you're on an extended Lent is what you're on. (laughs) Yeah. I'll say that. That's very good, Kip. Um, But it's helping me not be so damned, trying to be so damn perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you. I I think it's, it's a, that is a, a strong mental discipline like it does require that because it it is like a lot of things so much a part of our culture and social Mm -hmm. uh, encounters tend to revolve around that well especially in sales and politics and conservative politics (laughs) yeah well yeah and that's you know that's just one of the things well dr daniel amen would be really excited that you were giving up alcohol because he is he the little guy? Yes. The little ball guy. Bad for the brain. It is. Yeah. I heard him talking about marijuana the other day. Yep. 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 It's um (laughs) it's just, I mean, there's just there's so many. I'm gonna think of the word. There's so many ways to comfort yourself that are temporary that make it worse later correct that that drinking is therapy yeah or that working out is therapy or that over dieting is therapy or that you know getting so damn religious that you start to alienate people and judge them becomes bad. yeah self-righteousness or a separatist yeah. mentality yeah 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 and I, I think, you know, people do, it, it takes intentional work to reflect and think about your spirituality and purpose. And for some people, it requires some sort of encounter before they get it. Yeah. Um, and then, and that you know, encounter is usually painful. It usually is or very loss. Painful. Yeah. Which is very, right. Exactly. Yeah. And so to some degree, you know, when I'm working with a young person, it is like mm-hmm. the first time they've thought about, well, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm 17. I don't know what my purpose is in life. And I'm like, I get that. I just want you, we're just going to begin to talk about it. Um, because, and, and once they've known, once they realize what is the best of who they are, how they want to show up in the world with other people and what's led them to be successful then it's like, why, why do you think God wants you to show up that way? What do you think is going to happen if you show up to the world that way? Let's talk about that for like five minutes. Okay. How you show up, what your intention is for the day. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Most people don't do that. They don't show up intentionally. They show up reactionally. It's just such a waste of time. 
Well, it is a waste of time. And that's what tends to separate people from good to great or the haves and the have nots uh, or the depressed and the undepressed, the anxious and the non-anxious is because you're either showing up reacting to your day and what comes along, or you're intentionally going to live your day with purpose, with intention. And then yes, they're the things that you don't have control over that happen, but that going back to mental toughness, mm-hmm. how you deal with it, you're, you're intentionally regulating your thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. You're intentionally managing those emotions and then you're behaving appropriately. Mm-hmm. I, and I see way too many young people just reactionary and controlled by their emotions. And, but they don't have parents role modeling the way either. What about, do you, I mean, I, I mean, this is just kind of a conversation starter. When you have parents that are so different in their parenting styles. Oh, that makes yeah. it really hard. Yeah, it does. I have I, set parents down. I've asked parents to come into the office and I'm like, look, you two got to be on the same page and united because this isn't working. Um, and so we, I, I have done sessions with parents to aim to get on the same page. And it's very difficult. Very, very difficult. I'm just, I'm just thinking of a student that I had. The dad was, of course, the dad was good and the mom was bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this poor girl that she just showed up with so much anxiety all the time. Right. And I'm like, and one of the reasons that I stopped teaching golf is that I wasn't teaching golf. You know, I wasn't talking about leverage and weight shift and pressure points and, you know, um, wrist angles and beta moves. I was live coaching for 45 minutes. Right. And talk about draining (laughs) your human capacity for love (laughs) well right i I, good on you kip yeah your your brain code wouldn't necessarily want to do 10 sessions in a row uh in a day yeah yeah um that would be hard i yeah i i i realized god has kind of unique me uniquely qualified me or called me to this situation Mm -hmm. and i'm very thankful that you know, like with that example, like I can pull two parents in and be very direct and straightforward and blunt with them. And then with their kid, I, I'm, I would say my overall approach is gently confronted, like almost to the point where they don't even realize they're being confronted, but they are. Yeah. Kind of a slick move there. (laughs) Let, let the, let them, let them come to their own realization. (laughs) <laughs> well, when I know what their brain code is, too, yeah. it, it helps me know, like, with the people I can be very direct with, like yourself. Right. Like, how, I can be how to, right. Yeah. How to communicate. Right. Right. And then the other ones that I got to mm, move along a little more gently, but yeah. I'm still going to confront their lies or things that aren't working. Yeah. I'm definitely and unfortunately, a... <laughs> again, my, I think a majority of therapists mm-hmm. are like horrible and inadequate. Um, because I think, especially in today's time, you, you got to be part teacher, part therapist, 
part accountability partner, part support system. You, this isn't just a rent-a-friend session here or a dumping ground session here, but most therapists aren't equipped, I think, to actually teach, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. One of the reasons that I stopped going to my therapist was because she was uncomfortable with talking about my spirituality, my Christ, mm. my my Christ-like faith. She was uncomfortable talking about Yes. Well, okay. Yeah. Why? That's interesting. She was an atheist. Huh? Yeah. Huh. That that's fascinating. I was hoping, I was hoping that she would be agnostic, but she was a full-blown atheist. Yeah. And then yeah. we figured out we couldn't work together anymore. Well, yeah, there's not alignment there. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. a gap. <laughs> that's yeah. A, that's a different universe. Yes. Um, but I yeah. did, but I did feel compelled to share Christ with her mm-hmm. in some sort of a in, in some sort of a capacity that I thought would not push her even further away. Mm-hmm. And then I go and I talk to my pastor, Pastor Doug, and I was like, well, did I fuck this up? Was this like, you know, God saying, all right, Brandy, you need to save this person? And he's like, no. <laughs> not, yeah, no. No, you're not that special, Brandy. <laughs> no, but, I, but cle- clearly her discomfort speaks. Yes, and, and yeah. that was, I mean, when it, and it was later on in our relationship and it, and I was like, oh, it wasn't like jarring, but I was like, oh, this is, this is a thing. Yeah. Because she, you know, she understood how to communicate with me. She called me out and went right at me. I mean, you can, that's, that's the greatest, I think, I mean, let's talk about me some more. I guess the greatest fucking thing about me is that you can come right at me. Tell me exactly what the fuck you think. Yes. And I know that it's not about me. Yeah. Yeah. That's you. That has nothing to do with me. And right. my response is always, how can I help you with that? <laughs> what would you well, like for me to do? <laughs> and most brain codes don't, can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. To the degree that yeah. you can't eat. Well, and I think that shouldn't this be taught in school? Shouldn't this be taught in school? Well, that that circles back to what we were just talking about in the fact that, yeah, like I, if I call you a liar and I'm getting all upset and whatever, but, and you're reacting like, well, I, I, how can I help you there? Because you're the one having the problem, not me. Mm Uh, and and we've gotten so far away. Like what we have done is like told people, let me hand over my emotional well-being to you yeah. and you take care of it. Okay. And that's wow. That's so dangerous. <laughs> it's, like take your freaking power back and remember your superpower of choice. Yes. Yeah. Like I chose this and, and, but, but choosing it, people don't realize that once they choose something, they can unchoose it. They can say, yeah, no, I've been, I've been going down this road and I'm not getting fulfilled. I'm going to stop. 
I'm not going to reevaluate or change. I'm just going to not do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. So. Well, Kip, I want to have you back. I want to have you like on a regular, you need your own show. You need your well, own show. I know, I do. And I really would like to start that. And I'm trying to, I I do, I have begun that sort of idea. Um, it's just the time right now is a little dif difficult for me. So that's on the table for 2024. But 2023, I'm trying to get um, like an online academy uh, built for my younger athletes between. That was my 12. next question. Do you have an online course? Yeah. Yeah, we are. We are in the process of doing that for the eight to 12 years old um, who just need some basic like sports, mental skills training because mm -hmm. they're they're, you know, their cognitive awareness isn't there yet. Um, and so usually about 12, 13 is about the best stage where you can come in and get the assessment done. Um, any younger, like I've had some 10 and 11 year olds do it, um, who are kind of more on that more mature side. Um, but about, they really need to be about 12 in terms of their level of development before it really makes sense. So we're trying to get that online academy going for the eight to 12 year olds um, so kind of this year is, is more of that sort of thing. And then yeah. we've the got details in the technical stuff. You got to get it out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what platform are you using for that? Well, we initially were on Kajabi and mm -hmm. now we're just building it off of my own website. And so mm -hmm. my webmaster is just kind of building it so that I don't have to rely on a third party for that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. So he's working on that part of it um, and getting that kind of all the behind scenes and all the stuff we're getting written and we got to shoot the videos and all that kind of stuff. So that is, um, I think it should be done third quarter of this year. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. So anybody that wants to find you and figure out their own break, because I think that is the, I think that helps. 75% of everybody's problems is figuring out how their brain works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then also knowing any of the therapeutic issues that may, mm -hmm. um, you know, may interrupt that. Right. Um, but also if you, like I, I did one this week where she was an uh, scored zero extroversion. So she, fully dominant introvert and um you know throughout the results session like she's not looking me at the eye I'm going through the recommendation plan doodling on paper not looking at me giving me nonverbal responses versus verbal responses and at the end I just gently confronted that as disrespectful and rude yeah you are Boom. so far introverted you, you are not showing somebody who's working for you here proper etiquette you know looking me in the eyeball talking with me asking questions letting me know you're understanding or not understand you know and um woo, she didn't like Damn that it. I did not she, like that I bet, so, I bet there was a reaction then she was shocked because nobody had ever done that nobody to her. said anything to her Nobody's ever said, and this is, that's the problem. Yep. 
right? And then her mom tells me, well, coaches have told me that. I go, well, great. What did we do about it? Like, we obviously <laughs> haven't done anything about it, you know? <laughs> and she doesn't want to come back and see me. And I told the mom, you make her yeah. come back, right? You make her come back. Yeah. It's now time, right? It's now time. Otherwise, we're going to have a severe problem when it comes later on time in a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's what the, the reason that I get, the reason that I laugh so much is because I've been there. I've done that. I, I mean, I wasn't that kid. I was probably zero extra or I was zero. <laughs> You're not doing the reflective work you need to do. <laughs> um, but it's, it's so, it is so easy and so quick to fix Yeah. when you, well, number one, you want to fix it, but number two, you know, that, that it's okay. Yeah. That this is, this, this is, this is what it's like to be a human these days, these days. Right. You it's, know, back in okay. the day, we, Back in the day, ther- therapy was going out and, you know, chopping down trees and it was cathartic. And, you know, we got our, we got <laughs> right. it all out then. Right. You know, back to the hunter gatherer and all that kind of stuff. Now it's, we don't have those tactile things to, to get our brains to focus on one thing at a time. You know, what's so interesting about this situation too. And I mean, this is where I have to, I'm, I'm working with the parent as much as I'm working with the athlete. Mm-hmm. Cause the parent was saying to me, like, well, she doesn't want to come back. And, and the, I can see the mom wanting to protect her kid from doing something hard. And I'm like, that is exactly what is crippling our youth today. Problem. And I said, you make her come back. I don't care if she boxed or screams or whatever she does. You make her come back. Yeah. It's the mm. only way she's going to get through this is to have somebody who's willing to walk through her in this difficulty. And you as parents have got to back me up. Man, well, yeah. I'm going to pray for that little girl. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Self-will is probably pretty strong. Yeah. yeah. I love it. We've had 14 years of practice. So I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. Well, you need to come back because um, we need to do this again. I would love to. It's totally awesome to reconnect with you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Brandy Joe Show. You can find out more on our website, brandyjoenewman.com.